0: That she works at a glamour photography store. Oh man, <laughs> uh, with makeup and clothes, and you got all gussied up, then took photographs that you could give to your husband or boyfriend. <laughs> this is the original thirst straps, y'all. It was yeah, professional. <laughs> for Gen Z listeners out there, before there were thirst straps, there were these things called glamour photos.
1: to hate spinnerbait the podcast where we hate spinnerbait but we love surprise candy
0: oh I like that one that was good yeah.
1: I mean I wish Andrew snuck candy into my bag every day but
0: right seriously I think people that should be that's my love language everyone is surprise candy and people yeah. should give me more surprise candy take a note thank you take note there folks take note Uh, How would you like to woo your lover? (laughs) Surprise (laughs) Surprise candy. candy. That was a good one. Uh, Hi, everyone. I'm Bethany. Um, Joined, as always, again, I can say that now because we've done this for a few weeks, with my lovely co-host, Michael Ann. Michael Ann, how are you on this fine evening of recording?
1: I am good. I am doing good. I am tired, but otherwise... You know That's i'm fair. 30 is there ever a time when you're not tired
0: that is adulthood is just complaining about being tired so that is super fair today as we're recording this i don't know in a few weeks this episode will go up so we'll probably be really into fall slash almost borderlining winter for certain parts of the country but for me today in florida it's the first day that it's felt like fall so i've been in a super good mood all day the most basic white girl out there y'all i was like it's fall (laughs) this crisp air Mm -hmm. i went and i had lunch outside after i got out of work today i was like i'm gonna go sit outside so that's 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 really it's speaking to me which is appropriate because today we'll be discussing someone like you which kind of starts toward the tail end of summer and we dive on into fall but before we get into our second novel uh, Miss Sarah Desson did uh, write this one, and it was pretty quick turnaround from a debut novel. Her debut came out in 1996, and this one came out in 1998. So, Michael-Ann, place us in time, and space. What was going on in the world in 1998?
1: Absolutely. Um, so, I do want to mention that we might have a little um, guest in the background making some noise in this episode. My dog, um, he likes to make a lot of noise. So just that might be there. So we'll see. I don't abuse him. He just likes to scream. Um, Okay,
0: he's very well taken care of. I I can (laughs) assure everyone. I've seen I've seen this the Instagram post. He is a spoiled puppers.
1: He is just
0: just just very vocal. Walked
1: by with the dogs, and he just wants to play. But anyway, so 1998. Let's get in our time machine. <laughs> I like the time machine noises. Thank you, thank you. We're done that. Okay, so first thing, uh, Google was founded in 1998.
0: So <gasps> what a great year!
1: Intense. You know, everyone nice. uses Google now.
0: Yeah, it's a verb. It's been a verb for about a decade, at least now, and. It was just a little fetus child coming into the world in 1998. What a great year. You know what's crazy is one
1: decade ago was 2012.
0: Oh, so it's probably been (laughs) even longer. (laughs) I'm officially at that age where I always think that like 10 years ago was the 90s. And really 10 years ago was like the 2010s. So yeah, cool, 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 cool um let me see let's see here
1: sex in the city premiered in 1998 that's a big game changer
0: game cha- not to to be that girl but what character did you relate to on sex in the city Have we watched all sex in the city never discussed no,
1: this. no no we only had one tv so i did not watch any cool shows like that and then once i became an adult i just didn't
0: had no desire yeah. yeah, i watched it, obviously, much later on. We did not have HBO in my household during that time. And even if we did, I certainly would not have been allowed to watch that in 1998. But I did watch it later in life. I don't think it's something I ever watched the entirety of. But I remember being like, oh, this is like a cool thing to watch. It's not. It's very much a thing of its time. Like, I appreciate that it came out when it did and it did its thing. But if you if you watch it now, you're like, ooh, this is actually a little cringy.
1: Yeah, big time, big time. Definitely, I'm assuming it's like super fat phobic. Um, I don't know that, but I'm just assuming. Just in
0: my, just in my, it's, it's not nice to fat people, that is certain. It doesn't come up a ton. Yeah, there's just a lot of things and just a lot of like gay stereotypes and certain stereotypes about women, which, again, at the time, it was like, look at this, Carrie Bradshaw has a gay best friend. But now I'm like, oh, very stereotypical gay best friend. <laughs> but that's, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: 1998, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another, a couple other uh, really life-altering things that came out in 1998. Halloween Town, one of the best Ooh. Halloween movies of all time. That is a classic. Furbies were released. I don't know if you had a Furby, but I was not, uh, blessed enough to have a Furby.
0: Okay. Same. I thought I was the only child of the nineties who didn't have one. All my friends had Furbies. I I liked them, but they also kind of gave me the heebie jeebies. So yeah, we were not a Furby household. No, same. Um,
1: the Harry Potter book was made its U.S. debut. However, the second book came out in the U.K. that year. So, um, while I was a big Harry Potter fan, I do want to make a side note that I am no longer a big J.K. Rowling
0: person. Yeah, that's that. Again, another thing. Much like Sex and the City, uh, we look back at now and we cringe, but at the time, at the time. Which Harry Potter still, you know, like I, it still means a lot to me, and I like it, but the the author is uh, dead to me, so to speak. Yeah,
1: it's a it's a struggle. So then, the last two things I want to mention about 1998: uh, Britney Spears, my queen, my everything, my angel, yes. released her yes. debut single and album "Baby One More Time," iconic. And finally, probably the biggest U.S. news of 1998: Bill Clinton. was yep, there we changed. go yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that's where we are in 1998 friends is still on tv buffy is still on tv
0: oh what a time
1: (laughs) it's the titanic is winning oscars
0: oh glorious king of the world that james cameron was another sort of problematic person but some of his work i enjoy it is interesting putting in in that mind space of 1998 when we were all being very rude to Monica Lewinsky, to put it mildly. Uh, mm-hmm. Reading this book, I've highlighted quite a few things about the way we talk about women in 1998. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that that tracks that this book came out in that year because we were just slut shaming a 22 year old all year long. So that's cool. Yup. Yeah. So yep. that does that does uh, very much track.
1: But yeah, that's that. Leonardo DiCaprio was dating age-appropriate women still, and you know, yeah, things were things back were back in
0: back in the day. It was okay that he was dating twenty-five-year-olds because he was twenty-five. Now, a little cringy, but yeah. that's okay, Leo. That's okay. I mean, it's not, but you know, you know, yeah, know. Yeah, no. So here we are. Someone like you. The second novel, Uh, as we mentioned, 1998. This novel comes out. This it's going to be very interesting since we're revisiting these novels and reading them in chronological order. We kind of discussed already with that summer. The mom thing is definitely a thing. I also mentioned back when we were reading that summer about how Sarah Dessen gives off younger sibling vibes to me. It's just something I've noticed in a few of her books that I'm like, I feel like she is a younger sibling, but I, again, I don't have actual concrete proof of that, but I'm very intrigued to see certain motifs and other things um, that we're going to notice. And I've already definitely started noticing reading these two novels so close together. And this is where I will, uh, I told Michael Andre right before we went to record today, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to wait until we go on air till I say this, which is that I knew at a certain point in reading these books, we would come across a novel that I hadn't read. I did not think it would be the second one because as I started to read this, I was like, I don't think I ever read this book, which is crazy because it's one of her earlier works and I own all of her earlier works. Like I, I was certain I'd read all of them. But I'm reading it and certain things were coming back to me, but I think it's only because of the movie had a deal. I was like, oh yes, like this, I remember this, I remember, but that's from the movie. Like, I don't think, like when I went to read that summer, I was like, oh, ah, yeah yeah, 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 it's coming back to me. But I was reading this and I'm like, oh, I don't think I must have not read this one. So that kind of blew my mind. So I'm literally reading this as far as I'm aware anyways, for the first time as a 31-year-old adult. Um, Again, lifelong Sarah Dustin fan, so I definitely picking up her vibes from this, but it was very Mm -hmm. interesting to read this and be like, I don't think I've actually read this book yet. So this is, a lot of stuff has been very fresh to me. So I don't know, I know how How to Deal ends, but I do not know if the book ends that same way, which again, How to Deal took, combined, you know, that summer, and uh someone like you so that that also kind of makes it sort of different so I'm like I don't know if this book ends the same way that the movie does so I'm gonna I'm gonna find out (laughs) y'all
1: yeah I it's been so long since I've read any of her books and I know that I read like I read Dreamland like four times um Mm -hmm. because I'm a Pisces I feel like we love emotion um (laughs) but (laughs) I, I know that I like things are hitting my memory, but I, I don't, I also don't know how it ends. I cannot remember. Um, but I am pretty sure I read it. Oh, I should probably not look at the last page. Okay.
0: Well, I mean, unless you want, you know, sometimes that's fun. Like how, I want to know how we end and then we'll see how we get there. I'm going to try to avoid spoiling myself. I'm only halfway through. Both of us are only halfway through at the recording of this episode. So when we come back for part two, we will be finished with it and I will finally be able to say exactly all my thoughts and feelings. The one thing I will say so far before we kind of dive in chapter by chapter. So something I've noticed already with our, our dear friend of the show Sarah, is that friend of besides show. friend of the show yeah you know, besides the mom stuff, which it's already there. it's already there, chapter one, the mom stuff is unusual boy names is definitely, just like unusual names in general is definitely a serodescent thing. Because if you think about it, the first one we had Sumner, now we have Macon, and you're like, what like these names? So that is just something I've already picked up, two novels in, seems to be a trait of of this here author. But yeah, we have part one, the Grand Canyon, um, starts with a bit of a bombshell. Would you like to start us off on this this bombshell that we get right here at the get go?
1: Yes, um, I believe the bombshell you are referring to is that Michael Shearwood is dead.
0: Yeah, he's dead. We don't know who he is because we are patrons of this novel. Um, we can kind of speculate from the person who is telling uh, Hallie, which is her dear friend Scarlett, that it must be someone that is important to Scarlett. It seems like it's probably a boyfriend. We will later find out that that assumption is correct. But yes, Michael has died and Hallie is at uh, basically a kind of two week is what I gathered summer camp that her mom kind of forces her to go to. So it's the middle of the night. She gets this call from her friend, Scarlett, that Scarlett's boyfriend is dead this is someone that Hallie doesn't really have much of a relationship to. To be perfectly honest, Scarlett didn't really have that much of a relationship with. But again, as we discussed in previous episodes, that first love, just think about we were discussing how difficult first loves are and and getting over them when it's something like just breaking up. Can you imagine if you thought that you had found this love and he was giving you kiwi in the supermarket and then he uh, he died. So that's, I think, just quite a traumatic uh, way to kick off this novel.
1: For sure. I never, I um, didn't experience the death of a friend until I was in my 20s and that was difficult. So I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine being 15, 16 years old and your boyfriend. um, Totally. And we find out later, obviously, that um, they have sex and then he dies the next day. I can't. Yeah. I can't can't
0: imagine. Can you imagine, which is kind of funny because I think of Mean Girls when he's like, you have sex and then you get pregnant (laughs) and you die. Can you imagine being a teenager, being like a 16-year-old girl, you have sex with this guy. It's like the first time. And literally the next day that man dies, like, I would be scarred for life. I would never have sex again. No, I mean, I would eventually,
1: but. But like,
0: it would take some years in therapy to work. It sure would.
1: I'd be like, (laughs) I killed him.
0: I killed him. I for sure killed him. They were right in sex ed. Don't have sex. You'll die if you do. The Lord is
1: is punishing me.
0: (laughs) I'm certain of it. I am certain of it. So, yeah, he's dead. Uh, It says here, uh, Michael Alex Sherwood died at 8.55 p.m. on August 13th. He was turning left onto Mooresville Avenue from Short Crest Drive when a businessman in a BMW hit him dead on knocking him off, hit him dead on, knocking him off the motorcycle he'd only had since June and sending him flying 20 feet. The paper said he died on impact, the bike a total loss. It wasn't his fault. Michael Sherwood was 16 years old. Which, again, that's just another thing. Uh, not only was it that they had just had sex, but also he had a motorcycle. So these are all the things that your parents are like, don't do as a teenager. He did both of them. And he, wind- this is Rebel Without a Cause, for sure. But mm. look, 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 don't be that person. You, you wind up dead. Yeah,
1: that is, I'm terrified of motorcycles, to be honest.
0: Oh, same. Very. I'm very terrified of people that have two people on a motorcycle like the back person like you're just holding on to another but like that's the only thing that is keeping you on this tiny vehicle on two wheels going like 80 miles per hour crazy
1: that's that's a hard no for me hard hardest
0: of no's right on to all of you that like them we already have my first that's so 90s moment of the novel uh picking up here on page seven which we're kind of discussing. So we we kind of start in with this cold open. Michael is dead. This is clearly someone that meant a lot to Scarlet. Hallie is trying to get her mother to pick her up from camp, right? So we go. We backtrack a little bit here to learn about how Scarlet and Hallie became friends. And she's talking about how Scarlet had you know an unusual name, much like herself, I guess. Hallie, not like a super common name. I mean, yeah, there's like Hallie Berry and stuff, but. It's not as common as, you know, your Britneys and your Ashley's. But this is my That's So 90s moment. I never had a friend with an unusual name. All the girls in my classes were Lisa's and Tammy's, Carolyn's and Kimberly's. And it's like, yep, in the 90s. I'm sure they were like in the 80s and 90s. and you're just, But now, if someone was like, hey, I'm Tammy, I'd be like, that's kind of an unusual name. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure for like a Gen Xer, those were the common names. But mm-hmm. for millennials, I'm like, huh. I mean, Lisa's and Tammy's, I don't know. I think of that as being slightly like older people usually have those names. So that was just kind of funny to me and a little bit of the, that's so 90s. We get a little bit of already the kind of bit of a backstory with the mom, which I will say, I was kind of saying in that summer, how I found myself agreeing with the mom a lot more now. Um, In this first chapter, I was 100% on Hallie's side. I was like, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, mom, just go pick her up from camp. Like, she's not trying to get out of something. Someone she knows, she is like 15 years old, and someone she knows has died. Like, go pick up your child from camp.
1: (laughs) Right. Like, can you imagine? Like, it's exactly what I said. Like, I had a hard time processing my friend's death when I was 24. Can't freaking imagine when I was, you know, if I was 15 yeah. like yeah pick your daughter up pick, stop being your, a pick side your daughter up. up
0: from camp I have to
1: be so on that I, I didn't find myself to be on her mom's side at all so far so far
0: yeah so, so far I'm not I don't think she's a terrible mother by any means but I'm not sympathizing with her as much as mm-hmm. I did with the mother in that summer so I feel like I'm definitely much more on Howie's side so far also could this be both of us are only about halfway through are exactly halfway through this novel. Could this be another Sarah Destin thing, which I know not to be true because she has named mothers in other novels. But this is two novels in a row now where the mom like does not seem to get a name, but the father does. And I find that very interesting because I know that the father's name is Brian and I know what Scarlett's mother's name is, but I have no idea what her mother's name is. And I was like, why is this a thing? in there novels that the mother just not she's just like this faceless woman, she doesn't yeah. get a name. It's weird, especially with how important the mother relationship, like the mother daughter relationship, is in her novels.
1: Yes. Um, I also wanted to mention on page eight, um, we have this line here that says, But now I had Scarlet, and from that day on, nothing ever looked the same. Um, I truly believe that the real love story in this book is between Hallie and Scarlet and their beautiful oh, yeah. friendship. And this that's like the beginning of it. And I just. living for it i love it
0: yes i think straight away you get such a good indication of their like you know their friendship and i think that is truly the real through line through this novel more than anything else thus far
1: Mm -hmm. and then we kind of see that um her mom hailey's mom doesn't really understand her um, she's kind of being a little bit condescending here um saying like when they were talking about going to camp she says it will be such a valuable experience much more so than sitting around the pool at Scarlett's getting a tan and talking about boys um which
0: yeah what the heck <laughs> mom there's nothing wrong with that's what 15 year olds should be doing you should go sit out if that's what brings you joy by all means Yeah, I just feel like a lot of these mothers, like the two mothers you've encountered so far, want their daughters to be like little adults and not adolescents. And it's like they're they're teenagers and their brains are growing and they've got all these hormones coursing through them and they're going through a really difficult time. Coming of age is hard. And I feel like both the mothers you've encountered so far are just like, can't you just like not be a teenager for a minute? And it's like, no, they should be allowed to be teenagers because they are. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely the vibe I get from like Hallie's mom a little bit. Is She like doesn't – oh, don't don't be like other girls. Don't do those frivolous teenage things. Like come come be with me and talk therapy talk or – whatnot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then we see that in this chapter, too, we get some information about the dad. He's kind of like the good cop. Um, Yes. He likes to just make her milkshakes and kind of stay out of the drama. Which, okay. But also, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just like 90s
0: dads. They just didn't... Right.
1: He feels...
0: like a sitcom dad a little bit right yeah. like i don't know i wash my hands of this i just mow the lawn well and i have a talk show and on the radio and like he seems like a nice loving guy don't get me wrong but it it does seem like again this is the one time I will defend a mother that he's definitely letting her be the parent and yeah he's just the good guy who shows up with milkshakes and is like whatever your mother says
1: Yeah. I I would be annoyed if I was the mom. I would be like, can you like help me parent this kid? Or (laughs) like,
0: hello. Just just saying, I don't know. I got to do all this on my own. Also, I feel
1: like the way Hallie feels about her mom is like so relatable as a teenager. Um, I remember like growing up once I got into high school, I was like, yeah, I can't tell my mom anything. All she's going to do is judge me. Um, It says right here on page 15, even the sight of her coming towards me was enough to get my guard up. And yeah, I mean, I definitely relate to that. Um, Mm -hmm. Especially because it's like when you're a high schooler, you're trying to like establish who you are as a person, but you're still a kid. So your mom is still trying to like be a mom. And it can be conflicting big time.
0: Oh, yeah. Which it's fair. I get obviously your mother yeah. is going to, to worry about you and want to bother you. But you are telling this fine line as a teenager where you think that you're so much older than you are. And you're like, I'm responsible and I can do this. I was very fortunate that I had a very good relationship with my mom. And I did feel very open talking to her about things. And I, I know that that is rare. But there was even some things that I would get. Again, looking at it now, it's kind of funny. I would get pissy because I'd be like, "Well, you know, you wanted me to to get this job so I could have money, but then you won't let me go out and do anything because I have to be home by this time." And it's like that was a totally reasonable request, Bethany. But like, I, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. I was like, "I'm 17 and I have a job and a car and I'm responsible." And like, why are you killing my vibes, mom? Yeah. Um, and she was just trying to be a mom, but yeah, I think it's hard. Because you are starting to get your own independence. Like that's literally what a car represents to be like, you know, George Lucas made a whole movie about it. American Graffiti is, you know, about how the the car is like such an American thing. And it represents the youth and, and independence and freedom that I think that this age, you know, um, Holly is going into her junior year and her friends, you know, she's turning 16. Her friends, some of them already are 16. They have their licenses. And I think that's a very difficult thing. Both as a teenager, but I reckon also as a parent. Because, you know, I think Hallie's mom thinks of Hallie as her confidant, as her best friend. And now Hallie's kind of got Scarlet and is, you know, Scarlet's got a car and they're going off and they're doing things and she's being independent, which is totally within her rights, and she is allowed to. But I I do think, you know, trying to look at it from the other side, obviously I've never had a 16 year old kid, thank God. (laughs) Um, but but I can imagine that that's like, Oh, but you used to like want to hang out with me on Friday nights and you used to want to be my friend. And now you have your own friends in your own life and I'm sad.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So
0: so I get that. I think in a sense, I mean, obviously, no mother would ever admit to this. So definitely not Hallie's mom. But I think the reason she's so judgmental towards Scarlett is because she's jealous of her. Because that yeah. used to be the role that she had in Hallie's life. And she no longer does. Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's such a hard, like, relationship to navigate. Um, I also want to mention that I grew up in a town called, named Milton. And, um, there was a Milton marketplace that all the kids worked at. So that's pretty funny.
0: This marketplace is injured. There's like a couple of things in here that I'm like, is this her life? Like, is this how things were in North Carolina when Sarah Desson was, you know, coming of age that she would put it in? But like, there's something she talks about, like the till and there's like, the one lane that's no candy or whatever. And oh, I was no. like, maybe because it's a tiny grocery store, but I, my first job was, was at a supermarket. And so reading this, I was like, oh yeah, nostalgia. That was my first job, but certain things in it. I was like, that is not true to my experience at least. So I don't know. Maybe no that's a North care. Carolina thing. Like, no Yeah.
1: Candy, I, I would understand like no alcohol lines. Mm. Like, You know, maybe legally they wouldn't be able to sell alcohol. But yeah, the no candy thing is confusing. The fact
0: that it's like attached to the mall, I think, is odd. Is that like a common thing in other places in the world that supermarkets would be attached to the mall? I don't know. That seems odd to me. I don't know. But who am I to judge? We'll get to another one of the things that I was like, huh, is this how this really worked in the 90s moments, I believe, here in... Chapter two, which we are approaching, maybe. Oh, chapter two is about the funeral. So no, I think maybe chapter three is when we get to school. But alas, any other chapter one thoughts before we do move to yes. chapter two?
1: Um, I do just want to point out on the last pages here, we have kind of some views of the foils between, hope oh, this toy isn't super loud. Um, he could bless you. The- <laughs> Foils between Scarlet and uh, Hallie, or at least how Hallie sees herself. Um, right. But she says here, Scarlett had always been the stronger, the livelier, the braver, the girl who punched out Missy Lassiter, the meanest, most fiendish of the Pink Bike girls. That first summer, she moved in on a day when they were surra- when they surrounded us and tried to make us cry. The girl who kept a house and her mother up and running since she was five, now playing a mother to a 35-year-old child. The girl who had kept the world from swallowing me whole, or so I'd always believed. Um, Scarlet is such an interesting character because she does have a mom that she has to take care of. She has, like her mom, I assume had her when she was 19 or 20, and never really it sounds like didn't really step up to yeah. the responsibility of being a parent mm. but i would like to mention that it is very 1998 that this single mother uh owns at the her own house in the suburbs That's-
0: yes yeah and apparently in a nice neighborhood yeah yeah she owns she sounds like she's a little bit oh we're gonna get into some fat phobic stuff later on and this i just remembered thinking oh, about yeah. marion does for a living, which also mm, so 90s uh, what Marion, Scarlett's mother, does for a living, but yeah, I'm amazed with her, I'm like that job pays well enough, like they kind of paint Marion, which I'm not going to judge, because Marion, you're trying your best, but they paint Marion as sort of a hot mess, essentially in chapter one, but then yeah, it's like and there she is, living in Lakeview and it's like, huh yeah, I guess in the 90s you still did have a nice house, even though you were a hot mess as a single mother. Right. Now so in the
1: down. 2020s, no one owns a house.
0: It's accurate. No matter how successful, if it's a joint income house. it nope, doesn't matter. No It kids. doesn't matter. No kids, no whatever. You you don't own a house. You're renting forever. Whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So then we start
1: chapter two and we get a good description of scarlet right off the jump Um, i highlighted this part which was really funny to me um (laughs) she said she was beautiful in all the unconscious accidental ways that i wasn't and i was jealous more than i'd ever admitted to me scarlet was foreign and exotic
0: yeah i she's white she's a basic white girl like she's got freckles and red hair and i was like excuse me how is that exotic that like it would be, again, would it have been very 90s and in poor taste if it was, like, her, you know, friend who actually, like, was from another country uh, to call them exotic? Yes, it would have been problematic. But at least I would have been, like, I get it. But literally your basic white girlfriend is exotic, too. And I was like, she's got auburn hair. and like That's like half of – that's, like, every white girl. I don't – please explain. Yeah, I also I think, thought that was funny. Yeah, I – I would like it to be clear. I realize that this is an audio format. So most people can't see me unless you're following our Instagram at hate spinnerbait pod on Instagram. You should follow it. There is a picture of me there, but for all the people that have not seen that photo, Scarlett is me. Yeah. <laughs> she she is, is a redhead with freckles. I mean, like you can't see a lot of my freckles cause I like, you know, wear makeup most days, whatever, but I have freckles, pale skin, and I'm a redhead. And no one, I can assure you, in my 31 years on this planet has called me exotic. So <laughs> there you go. Oh, to just, I was like, oh, okay, exotic. That's interesting. You know
1: what's so funny too when I was reading this? I was thinking about Zuko, please. I was thinking about how um I was the Halley. I had a best friend growing up who was like beautiful all the boys were like in love with her everybody thought she was so cool and I was just like her weirdo friend that like followed her around so it's so funny um although she wasn't as good of a friend as Scarlett is but I definitely relate to like the I was like the
0: weirdo that just followed her around thing I think that's that was also me and now I'm thinking maybe we all just think that that's us like maybe every girl thinks that they were like the unattractive weird no like the hot girls have to know no she was the hot one I family. didn't know that I was like this sounds dumb but like not like to toot my own horn but like no one I was never like the pretty girl not like mm-hmm. I like think I'm attractive whatever self love I'm great you are great <laughs> Thank you. But I didn't know until college, basically, because that is when my pretty friends, we went to two different colleges. And all of a sudden, I had this job, and I was in classes, and boys were talking to me. And I was like, oh, like, when she's not around, suddenly, I'm pretty. But like, when she's around, in comparison, like, I'm the unattractive friend. So it was like a real awakening for me when I was like, oh, is this what it's like to be pretty? Like people wanted to talk to me. I was, I was always like the weird friend in high school, very mm-hmm. loyal and a great friend. If I, not to toot my own horn, but Same. yeah. Same-sy. Also, I think I, this is totally a random tangent. Welcome to my and Bethany of random tangents. While they all read Sarah Desin. I think because so many of us were the quote unquote, ugly friends, Who watched our friend talk about boys and had all the boys head on her? Whatever. This is why I'm personally talking to you, the Duffer Brothers. I know you also listen to the show. Big fan. (laughs) I never understood the Duffer Brothers. Brothers, um, You know, fellow North Carolinians. I, after season one, the whole justice for Barb movement, they were baffled by, and I was like, because you weren't a teenage girl in high school all the people that are upset about this, we because we were all Barb. Like, we were Barb. Like, my one yep. friend was Nancy, and I was Barb. So yes, justice for Barb, because I was her. Yeah. <laughs> and I do deserve better than that. Thank you. Anyways, love your show, Duffer Brothers, but that's that is why people wanted justice for her, because we were all her in high school. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah,
1: I remember, like, boys that I told myself I thought were hot, because they were, like, the popular boys, but Let's be honest. I didn't really think they were hot. But I remember them coming up to me and being like, hey. And I was like, oh, my God, hey. And then they would be like, where's Kate? And I'd be like, Um, also, her name was Kate, which
0: is like the ultimate pretty girl name. That is that is like the ultimate pretty girl name. My pretty girlfriend was Diana, which I guess like Princess Diana, you know. Yeah. Um, But she's doing great. She's married and is expecting her first kid. So good for her.
1: Kate is also doing great. She is married. And she has two kids um, and I watch her Instagram stories and I'm like, you go girl.
0: Yeah. Live, live your best life, ladies. Yeah. We're happy that you were the hot friend, and we yes. know our worth now. So, and that wasn't your <laughs> fault. Like it wasn't your yeah, fault either. Sure, it's, it's not you on you at all. That's it. 100% not on you.
1: <laughs> yeah. But
0: we're all good now that we're adults. We just know what it was like to be the Hallie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, so, yeah, getting into chapter two, we have that description. It's very funny to call her exotic. Here is a, a line. I'm sure you probably also have it highlighted because it's great. Um, this is in Sarah Dustin's second novel. Y'all just want to reiterate that. I would have been like, that's it. I'm done. I've ri- I'm done writing right now. I can't. This is the pinnacle. This is a great line. She's talking, of course, Hallie's talking about Scarlet. And she says, and I was grateful because life is an ugly, awful place to not have a best friend. Stop it. I would have stopped writing right then. Am I going to write anything better than that? That's a fantastic (laughs) line. Give this woman an award. (laughs) Give her an award. Just for that sentence.
1: Right after that, we have a really good um, description of how you view yourself as when you're a 15-year-old girl. Mm -hmm, And it says, mm -hmm. when I pictured myself, it was always like an outline in a coloring book with the inside not yet completed. All the standard features were there, but the colors, the zigzags, And plaids, the bits and pieces that made up me, Hallie, weren't yet in place. Scarlet vibrant reds and golds helped me some, but I was still waiting.
0: Which yeah, Hallie, like we are like you aren't all your all your bits and your features aren't all in place. Like you were a growing, flourishing little human. Yeah, that was that was good. Like those, whatever, that paragraph and a half. After that, if I was there, Dustin would be like, I'm hanging it up. I've done Mm -hmm. it. I've done it. Give me my reward. I've done my best work. And yet, y'all, she still came back and gave us more beauty, which we will be discussing uh, in weeks to come. But God, if that isn't just absolutely brilliant.
1: It really is. So then we get to know that she didn't really know Michael Shearwood that well. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He was, he went out with Ginny Tabor and then Elizabeth Gunderson, two characters who hang on. (laughs) <laughs> um, the head cheerle- Elizabeth Gunderson was like the head cheerleader so it was like okay we have this beautiful these beautiful jocks who are like hanging out together and in love um and then we have his best friend Macon
0: good old Macon and let's see can we briefly talk about the end of the school year slideshow where they put the Mm. candidates in. I thought that was very interesting. I don't know if that's a real thing or Sarah Dustin was just like, that would be good for this. It's like a throwaway mention in the book um, in this chapter, which kind of comes back because at the funeral, they use one of the pictures from the slideshow. But I I just made a note of that because I was like, how interesting that they would just all go sit in like the the gymnasium or whatnot and watch like a slideshow of pictures at the end of every year. Especially like
1: applaud before digital cameras and cell phones. Yeah. Like we had we had a slideshow of candid photos or like photos we submitted when I was a senior, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah, like
0: at graduation they did a thing and we put I told them to put on Taylor Swift 15 because it seemed appropriate. And you know what? I was right. You were you were 100% <laughs> were. There are some other songs, but that was the best pick. That was on me. And yeah, so yeah, we submitted things for that. But I was like, oh, just like every year you would do that? Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. But yeah, now we're off to the funeral. And, or well, not after the funeral, but we're kind of preparing for the funeral, which is where we learn a little bit more about Scarlett's mom, Marion. This is where we learn right. about her job, which is that she works at a glamour photography store. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, With makeup and clothes and you got all gussied up then took photographs that you could give to your husband or boyfriend. This is the original <laughs> Thirst Traps, y'all. Was yeah, professional <laughs> for, Thirst Traps. the listeners out there, before there were Thirst straps, there were these things called glamour photos. And you would go to your local mall. I never did one because I was a child when they were a big to-do thing and i was not like a pageant girl so that was not something we did but i know family members that had them and they were like hung up in their house and oh, oh the wow. 90s
1: yeah seriously now we just post the, a million selfies the 90s on yeah exactly um, yeah i have a little post it note here that says children having to be a mom to their mom is soul crushing because i mm-hmm. i believe that kids should be able to be kids yeah, as we can see Sk- was really never able to be that much of a kid
0: yep and then she's about to have her childhood really kind of interrupted but we're gonna get to that later on we folks. sure are we sure are uh see, so yeah, we're picking out the dress for the funeral i just thought that part was kind of uh, funny and again like a good Insight to their friendship where she's like, Scarlett's the one with like the memory, like she has our collective memory. She knows that I've worn this dress, like, I don't even remember wearing this dress. Um, mm. and I feel like that is such a thing. Like, in a group of friends, there's always the one who like remembers everything. It's like, no, 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 that was the time that we were out with Joe and da da da. Um, there's always the friend you can count on who has the memory. There's always like the mom friend in the group who's like, I have Advil if you need it. So, yeah. I just, uh, I enjoyed. Enjoyed that little insight into their friendship. We go into oh, um, so we go upstairs, and this is where Hallie finds out that Macon uh spent the night basically in Scarlett's bed. He kind of surprises her, they're like trying to pick out outfits for the funeral. And boom, out pops a boy. And she's kind of like, uh, what the hell? <laughs> we're about to go to your boyfriend's funeral. And there's this this van. And, you know, Scarlett kind of explains that, you know, he was upset because Michael and Macon were best friends. And uh, he, I believe, was also slightly intoxicated. And he ended up staying over that night. But obviously, nothing, nothing happened. Then we get to the uh, funeral.
1: I do want to mention here on page (laughs) twenty-seven that they're Mm -hmm. kind of talking about like her mom learning about Michael Shearwood, and she's talking to their neighbor, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, he mowed the lawn," and blah blah blah. And they say, uh, "Hallie says here, as if all it took was Michael Shearwood mowing a lawn or finding the perfect banana to make him worth mourning." Mm -hmm. is heavy and it, it is like very true because um you know when somebody dies people are constantly like searching for the good stuff like yep. or making the good stuff up in some cases um to like make it worth it and it's like i mean no matter what kind of teenager A this person. guy was like it's still fucking it's still sad that he's dead you know like
0: A 16 year old is dead no matter what it's sad. Like that's a sad situation. And I also just think it's sad that not only that's like, oh yeah, the fact that he was like quote unquote good kid now in her mother's eyes makes it him worth mourning. But it's also sad that like she calls her mom in the middle of the night and was like, this guy is dead. And her mom's kind of like, "Uh, whatever, in a sense. But now that she talked to her neighbor, it's like, oh, yes, this is a sad thing. And it's like, if your daughter was upset about it, it was like, hey, I didn't know this guy well, but I knew him. He was a classmate of mine. You know, we ran in the same circles. That should be like enough for you to be like, yeah, this is sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And instead, it took talking to the neighbor about yeah the fact that oh he was a nice boy he mowed the lawn oh that is sad and it's like no it it already was mom it already was. Then we get to the funeral where we have uh, oh some theatrics which I I say I, that sounds so mean about Ginny and um, what should we call it Elizabeth that's her name right the other one mm-hmm. yes yeah, yeah, Elizabeth. Um, so we kind of have learned that Ginny and Elizabeth both dated Michael briefly before he is now his most current relationship with Liz Scarlett, which again, so high school. you dates someone for a couple of months, then your classmate is dating that person. It's, it happens. But I feel like everyone kind of wants to like claim this loss as their own. Like Elizabeth mm-hmm. is there with the shirts and Ginny's all upset. And it makes perfect sense and they have every right to feel those feelings. But I can also understand from Scarlett's point of view that it would be like a little awkward because it's like, well, I'm the one currently dating him, but all right, ladies go off, I guess.
1: Hmm. But again, it's like, especially with Elizabeth, what it says they dated for like a few months and when you're in high school, well, a few months is you're basically married.
0: Yeah, that's like an eternity in yeah. high school time. So if you date anyone over, like, two months, it's like, oh, things are serious. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and <I> know. Out. <laughs> like, oh, wow, that's really funny. But again, when you're 16, that's a serious relationship. It is.
1: Also, I, I like that Scarlett does have a lot of sympathy. I, I think Scarlett yes. is actually, like, an incredibly mature yeah like level-headed person but she like has a lot of sympathy for elizabeth and she's like and even hallie is like i mean they broke up a while ago you know like eye roll and scarlett is like no like he really loved her and this is hard you know
0: and yeah, like, and again everyone grieves in their their own way i think it's very easy to see someone breaking into hysterics or, and be like, wow, that's too much. Or, and vice versa to see someone being very just stoic about something and being like, did you not even care? And it's just, everyone has their own reactions to how they deal with it. And clearly Elizabeth is someone who is a bit, you know, she is a crier. She wears her emotions on her sleeve. And I feel like Scarlet is slightly more contained in how And I think she also, which I think we all feel, she kind of just feels like a little bit of, like, imposter syndrome. Like, Mm -hmm. again, I don't know how many people necessarily knew about this relationship because it was over the summer and, you know, whatnot. As opposed to, I feel like, Elizabeth and Michaels may have been a little bit more showy. It was during the school year. Everyone kind of knew and then I think she's kind of just like, you know, like, well, they, they, you know, like, I, I don't know, like, do I fit at this funeral? And it's like, yeah, like, you, there's room for all of you. Like, no one has to, which is exactly like, he loved her, he loved you too, like, as much as, you know, a high school boy can love someone, as much as anyone at 16 can love someone. But yeah, so I think it's kind of a little bit of, of that. But I, I really did like that Scarlet was so sympathetic toward Elizabeth. I, I think you're right that she was like a real maturity um, and her and there's there so many things coming up that just shows really just kind of what a, a mature person she is which I think she may get from the fact that she's basically had to be a mother to her mother her whole life
1: mm-hmm. yeah which is so sad oh my god I can't even um, so then the the uh, the funeral ends They it starts pouring rain which is very cinematic and um, mm-hmm. And they drive by Macon, and he's a mess. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they're, uh, Hallie is like not brave enough to call to him, but she ends up doing it, and Macon's like, "No, I need to cry in the rain. I'm a boy. I don't know how to handle." Yeah, (laughs) basically,
0: yeah. There's a lot, you know, in what I've read so far. I I don't know how to. I don't know how to feel about making, but I will say I do have some sympathy for him that I feel like that's a very hard position. He probably out of anyone in a sense knew Michael the best. And again, it's not a competition. Anyone for as little of a time as you were close to him or whatever, everyone's allowed to feel their own feelings. But I think You know, that's the thing is, is it's okay if Elizabeth breaks down at the funeral, right? But it's not okay if Megan does, because that's, it's the 90s in society. I mean, Lord, in 2022, the like, it's still like, quote unquote, not okay. Because we don't put as much of a value on friendship as we do on romantic relationships. And to be perfectly honest, we should, because they're all very important. And yeah, so I do... I just feel for him because I think that he's definitely struggling and, and other people are, are kind of allowed to be struggling. And I think that he kind of feels like he isn't. So yeah, he's just kind of like, yep, I'm a boy and I'm going to go walk in the rain <laughs> and cry because I can't be vulnerable in front of you two ladies. Like that's not cool. Yeah.
1: Michael Sherwood, he was a popular boy. Um You know, I like that she gives popular boys like depth. I, I, Yeah. I like that. You know, a lot of times, especially in the 90s, we see media where it's just like, oh, the popular boy is just like a dumb idiot who's like hot. And that's, Mm -hmm. but this guy's actually like a whole last person, which I appreciate. Um, Not that I like jocks or was a jock myself, but you know.
0: I will Um, say, yeah, I mean, I didn't hang out with a lot of quote unquote jocks in high school, but our captain of the football team, which again, that's also a funny thing, like in high school movies, particularly ones that were in the nineties, cause they were very prevalent, you know, the eighties and the nineties is when a lot of them came out. That it was like the captain of the football team. And they acted like that was one person when really usually they're in multiple cap, like it's probably like five seniors that are like the five leaders of the team, you know? So I digress, but one of our captains of the football team was also our valedictorian. So like, sometimes like the stupid jock thing is not yeah like all honors AP classes the nicest guy uh so yeah so I just think went on to go do like aerospace engineering in college so yeah like he it is yeah it is funny to me sometimes with like the the stereotype and all these movies and tv shows it's like And the dumb jock. And it's like, or sometimes they go off to be an aerospace engineer. So (laughs) don't count off all football players, y'all.
1: I I went to an all-girls school, so we did not have a football team. I'm trying to think about my hometowns. You know what? There was a really popular guy who played football, and then he broke his neck. Oh yeah. Well, he lived that's and he weird. was, he's fine. I mean, he's still was alive. He
0: okay? Was today. he like paralyzed or like, okay,
1: no, actually he wasn't paralyzed. I do believe oh, that he good. got addicted to drugs after that, but well, I'm pretty yeah, sure. He's, I can see that happening. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's doing okay. Now I like have this vivid good. memory of him. We like used to, this is an other tangent. We used to drink. Engine alert! <laughs> we used to drink in the woods, me and the people from my hometown.
0: Mm, and that's I have real this, like, high school stuff right
1: there. Yeah, literally, I have this like image of him standing on like the on like a hill, overlooking mm. everybody with like this huge smile on his face, just like jamming out. Like, I don't even know what he was doing, but like in my head, he's like dancing a little bit, and I just remember being like, "Wow." What, like, a cool
0: guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, look at that guy.
1: I'm That's like, his thing.
0: Yeah, like, I was That's not cool. Straight out of like, in my, like, the way you just described that scene, it was straight out of like a movie. Like, yes. Seriously. i <laughs> like, I'm
1: and like
0: then, yeah, I can picture it.
1: And then he thought he heard the cops. So all of a sudden he like turns around. He's like, yo. And he like threw his beer and starts running. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure the cops were not there at that point. But I can't remember well enough. But he I just made, have this like he vision here of him like standing up there, and I'm like, wow.
0: But anyway, back to there the book. Standing, standing on a hill. Yeah. So we are getting a little bit about the fruits um that Michael used to leave for Scarlet when they all worked at Milton's, and he was the produce guy, and Scarlet. And Howie were, you know, like cashiers, which also, this was so high school, or at least, again, I say like my experience is everyone's, which it wasn't. But that was so the thing is like all the girls, like all teenage high school girls at the supermarket I worked at were cashiers. And then we all flirted with like the bag boys, the the stock like crew. Or, like, the produce guys. Because, yeah, like, they were always, like, slightly older boy, Like, not, like, older, older. But they'd be, like, you know, like, 18 or 19 and you were 16. And you're, like, oh, so-and-so's coming, you know, through my checkout line. And, like, yeah. And if you, like, happened to go and break with them at the same time. Like, it was very exciting. So that is such a, a supermarket, like, high school thing. Like, I'm, like, oh, of course you would flirt with the produce boy.
1: Mm-hmm. I believe. I think that my high school boyfriend... I'm pretty sure he worked in the fish department at the at Milton Market.
0: Oh, the old Milton Market. Oh, that's the that very... name. I'm sure, did he smell good after the shit? Because no. I can't imagine. Yeah, that would be, oh, that's like a rough gig. I'd go home and take a shower. But you know yeah. what? Good for him.
1: You know what? He is thriving now, I think.
0: We hope, we hope you're thriving. God. However, you. Are. So yeah, here we're at the no candy register. Still don't understand that. <laughs> yeah,
1: what is? I don't know,
0: like that.
1: When this episode drops, that. I'm putting a poll in our stories. When this episode drops, did you have a no
0: yes. candy line? Yes.
1: Let we us need know. to know.
0: Let us know why. What is the purpose of that? If so, please let us know. I did like. Uh, Hallie's description because she was working I also like that they act like they only would work one line like Scarlett worked that and she always worked like the like express line and it's like that's not a thing like you always moved around but the whole like you know hers is supposed to be I think there's was 15 or like fewer and people always like get creative with the math and they're like well I've only got 16 I've only got 17 so I liked that whole tangent in this chapter I was like yes that was so accurate anytime I got put on the, like, you know, 10 or fewer lane, everyone would be coming in with, like, 20. And you can't, like, say anything to them. and it, It's, like, not worth your time. So, yeah, right. I feel that struggle. Are we getting to... Let's see. Oh,
1: I thought this was really funny when they're talking about, like, the first time that Scarlet got, like, a kiwi handed to her. And Scarlet yeah. and... <laughs> Hallie are like talking to each other and it says, excuse me, miss, someone in my line shouted, Are you open? And it says, Yes, I shouted back. <laughs> I'm just like imagining her being like, yeah,
0: right, yes! like,
1: <laughs> like scan her stuff. Like. Uh,
0: like, how dare you interrupt? I'm listening to my friend try to flirt with this boy.
1: Literally. Don't shout at me or I'll shout at you.
0: Oh. <laughs> uh. Then let's see, du, du, du,
1: du. and it's it's nice. It, it seems like Michael in Scarlet didn't like not include Hallie. She was like still very much involved in that. Yeah, movie, which was really nice. It, Michael agree. seems like a really great person. I mean, he like, did. He really painted a good picture of him.
0: Yeah, I I feel like I, you know, he seemed like he was a as a good guy, and I'm sad that he. Didn't get to carry on being a, a good guy for the rest of, to have a longer life. Yeah. so sorry. I guess we are getting into, so we kind of finish off our little bit about Michael and how Michael and Scarlett um, are getting into things. Oh, another Florida mention. Two books in a row mention of Florida. We're now pulling on into the first day of school. We've learned that since the funeral, um, Michael's parents are... They they put their house up for sale and they're they supposedly heard that they're moving to Florida. So that was <laughs> that was the little Florida mention of this novel. Um obviously Scarlett and Hallie are not super stoked to be going back to school. I think in particular Scarlett, because she is kind of going through a little bit of a time. Mm-hmm. But here we are. We're showing up to home room. Well, first we're getting into school. And then we show up to homeroom and then this is where I, which, okay. Also poll, I think homeroom is definitely much more of a, a Northeastern thing. Did you have a homeroom? And yes, I guess like, in high school. Okay. Yeah. because mm-hmm. I think I have been talking to people. Cause again, that was another thing that I thought so many things. Oh gosh. As a Floridian y'all, I'm sorry. I'm so dumb, but there's so many things growing up that I was like, "That's a movie thing." <laughs> I'm like, "That's not real life." <laughs> like basements, I was like, "People don't have those." Um, they do, everyone but Florida. <laughs> yeah. <That's not> <laughs> so that also, like, that's just like such a like thing when I like go to a real place with basements. I'm like, it's like in the movies, <laughs> and it's like, no, it's like most of America. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's very exciting to me. And homeroom, like that's always the thing in, in TV shows and movies. And I never had a homeroom. Like that was not a thing that we did in school, but I've talked to, you know, different people, friends from the Northeast. And that seems to be a thing that is very common there. So first of all, homeroom, that's a foreign concept to me, but I do understand now that it is a real thing. I haven't known that for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the here's thing that really just kind of, I think is strange. They get their schedule, on the first day of school in homeroom like you would go and pick that up a couple days before class because she wastes like two periods in the guidance counselors and i was like is this real life did they do it like that in the 90s is this just for the purpose of this book i don't like i don't know i don't remember when i got my
1: schedule or how that was handled at all i do know that homeroom in high school at least came after first period so like we went to school went to first period and then had homeroom so it's like there's no way i could have got my schedule i don't i truly don't remember how that went down what was
0: the purpose of homeroom if you did it like after your first period attendance (laughs) pledge of allegiance prayer i went to (laughs) college school that's what you would pray, <laughs> but you already went to first period. So, did they not take attendance then? They do. Um, I don't know. I will wow. say
1: that, like, once you're a senior, if you mm-hmm. have a free period, first period, you don't have to come in. Oh, so I don't. I don't. Also, I went to private school, and I know private school does things differently than right. public school. Yeah, that's so, true. So that might
0: been. That yeah. might have been. But yeah, those are just my confusions on schedules, homerooms, things I don't understand as my school was not remotely like that. But we get to the guidance counselor. Well, Hallie is very upset because her schedule is way off. They've got her in pre-calculus. They've got her in band. She does not play an instrument. Um, so she's very stressed out about all of this. She goes to the guidance office, which is where she does have, well, first of all, I like that there's the die, die, die girl as mentioned multiple times. Yeah, I love that girl. (laughs) She's great. Part of me would like the tagline, I feel like, for one of these episodes could be, but we love the die, die, die girl. Yes! That's our next Uh, one. That's our next one. Spoiler, everyone. We're doing it next time. Um, (laughs) But I do. I love her. And this is where we have, I think, quite a charming little chat with Macon. This is when he's, like, on my good side. Because, again, like I said, jury is still out on this boy, but I do like him here. He they kind of talk a little bit. She's all like, I'm not in band and I'm trying to get my schedule changed. And he jokes around with her. He thinks like she's in trouble, but she's kind of been sent there because he's in trouble. And then this is where they talk about the Jedi mind trick, which I definitely recall this from how to deal. Like that was not, yes. which of course I remember the Star Wars thing. This is something that I find interesting about this book, knowing when it came out. Because if this came out in 2022, or in the last, I don't know, probably five, since 2015, when Star Wars has really become, like, part of the public pop culture conscious again, um, I would be like, oh, Jedi Mind Trick, like, that's such a basic thing. Like, that's, like, think of something more clever. But for 1998, like, that Star Wars, you don't have the Phantom Menace until 1999, right? So, like, Star Wars was, like, there was a mumblings a new movie was going to be coming out. But... Again, the way the VHSs were and the way, you know, Star Wars had come out, whatever, like that's actually a pretty good reference for the year that this came out, where it's like clearly, you know, Macon knows his Star Wars. And it's like a, f- a fun kind of nerdy enough reference, also kind of shows his rebellious side. But as I was reading that the other day, I was like, for 1998, that's a good reference. Now I'd be like, try harder. But <laughs> for yeah. the time, it wasn't as much as part of the public pop culture conscious, um, I think that's that's a fun kind of like unexpected reference. Now I would be unimpressed. One of my biggest pet peeves was like the 13th tangent I've gone off on in this episode. Like, this is why we're only on chapter four. Ooh, so yes, yeah, so we're slowly but surely making right through this. But one of my biggest pet peeves in pop culture is when they want to show that someone is a quote unquote nerd, and they make them make the most basic of star wars references because i'm like even if you have never seen a single star wars movie it is enough in the public conscious that you would know that i watched i want to say two episodes of the show 13 reasons why and i stopped at that second episode a because it was god awful show but b because they were trying to prove that the main character was a nerd by him saying something about han solo everybody knows who hunts so like that's not a good enough reference i'm sorry and i was like nope i literally noped out of it right there i was like that's lazy writing i'm done with this show and i noped right out of it so yeah there you go everyone that's just make better references.
1: try that shit i was like this show is gonna glorify suicide it's yeah. gonna it's unhealthy no thank you
0: it was it was really bad, like the the writing, the acting, the subject matter of the show. I never got to the super suicide-y parts of it because I, I reckon that was probably a little bit. I mean she had like died already at, by and whatever I watched, but I was like, just, it was real bad. yeah, I think we're probably both better off for the fact that we haven't mm-hmm, I agree. Uh, watched it um, yeah, so we have kind of summarize the rest of this chapter real quick before we wrap up today. Um, we get a little bit about the PE. Um, we kind of, so her schedule, everyone, hallelujah, her schedule has been fixed. And then the next couple pages is kind of like a montage sort of like they kind of skip in time a little bit. We go from the first day of school to a little bit further in when they are, um, in pe and just like conversations and how much she looks forward to pe which is ironic because she's not a big pe person but she just loves that she gets to spend some quality time with Macon. uh we also learn that all of a sudden her father's talk show has blown up which here we go everyone i believe i highlighted this here on page 62 the first mention, this will make an appearance in other Saradesan novels. The first mention of the Zipmart, I believe. I don't think it was in that summer at all. So here we go. We have our first mention of the Zipmart. So this is a monumentous moment in Saradesan, I don't know, like theology, I guess.
1: It's a dessinism.
0: Yeah, a Desinism. That's our first one. We have a, a Zipmart. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out. So then, yeah, we learned that basically her dad's radio show has kind of blown up. Everyone's listening to it. He tells an embarrassing story of her from her youth when she basically fell in this mud pit. And Not that, even that
1: embarrassing.
0: I know. I really was kind of expecting a better story with how, like, right. Hallie was. But I guess, again, if you're 15 and whatnot. But I, I really like that all of these times. I was like, is this what we made fun of people for in the 90s? I don't, you know, I don't know. Um but yeah, so apparently she's very embarrassed. And then Macon comes up with a nickname for her from that. And then Muddy Bridges. <laughs> yeah, good old, good old muddy britches. Um and then what else do we learn at the end of this chapter? Oh, we learn a little bit, I guess, about Noah and Tao. That was her boyfriend for a while, and like everyone in her family, his family, and Hallie's family are very close They're like family friends and they still come over every Friday night for a movie night and she was dating Noah but she broke up with him because basically he was boring he broke up with him like before the events of this novel um, we get to learn a little bit about that mm-hmm. and yeah any other thoughts or things you wanted to point out about chapter um, three there I just kind of like glossed over that back half there so if there's anything you wanted to point out
1: one thing, and I was planning on going on a tangent for this, but I'm going to refrain. I'm just going to say one thing: I hate <laughs> PE. I hate gym class. I hate
0: it. Okay, gross. That's totally fair. We will have time to talk about PE. PE's featured a lot more, and there are some more thoughts and feelings I have about the particular PE in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, that we will get into later. So everyone get excited. We might still get to hear Michael-Ann's tangent about <laughs> the
1: actual. Oh, you will.
0: So get um, high about that. And
1: then the last thing I wanted to bring up was just like some more um, quotes about her relationship with her mom that seemed like very well written and just, disc- Descriptive, but mm-hmm. um, here on the last page, we have only now they all seemed loaded with something else, something that fell between us on the table, blocking any further conversation. Like she's just having this problem where, like, she just can't connect with her mom like she used to because she feels too judged or, well, now her mom's like writing books about her and stuff. So that's just like yeah. weird.
0: Um, so weird, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like what, what do you expect your teenage daughter to do when you're writing books about her? Um, <laughs> but yeah. And then we say here, this is this world I was in now of high school and my love affair with PE with Michael Shearwood. gone, had no place for my mother or what she represented. It was like one of those tests where they ask what thing doesn't belong in this group an apple a banana a pear a tractor there wasn't anything she could do about it my mother for all her efforts was that tractor
0: yeah i i loved the way that chapter ended And i just thought that that was like you said just a very good bit of writing and mm-hmm. also just yeah again, I just, part of me feels so sad about, part of me is, again, like I said, I'm, I'm way more on Hallie's side so far with this mother situation, and I really don't think you should be writing books about your daughter and your relationship. That's so weird, but mm-hmm. that, like, just, that crosses a line for me, but it is just, I don't know, I sympathize. I just think it's sad that, you know, that they are kind of going through this thing, and that, that Hallie feels like, you know, that her mother, like she said, uh, for all her efforts, was that tractor? Um, that does just make me really sad. I guess if there's anything we can sum up about the first few chapters here is, you know, don't be that tractor, y'all. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but but also don't write books about your relationship with your teenage daughter. That's weird. Mm-hmm. That's like definitely crossing a line. I know some people now very gratefully now that we're parenting for the first time kind of in the digital age. Some parents are very concerned about how much of their child's life they put on social media because they don't have consent over that. And this one hundred percent gives me that Uki vibe of like, mm-hmm. yeah, your daughter clearly does not consent to you writing about your relationship with her and, and putting it out in like people's self-help books. So just yep. don't do it. Just don't yep. do it. That's my, yeah. Also from
1: that. what we can gather from this is that jocks can be smart and nice and yeah, uh, nothing is more important than your female friends.
0: So yeah. Cause life would close. be, what was, what's the line that I was like, God, just stop writing after that. It was so beautiful. Oh, the world is like, an ugly place to not have a best friend. And that, yes. ugh, if that doesn't just sum it up y'all. Well, thanks for joining us on this week. We hope you enjoyed if you're reading along so far hope you're enjoying someone like you we'll be back with the second installment of this uh quick shout out to justin oliver who makes our beautiful theme song the first couple of episodes we did not remember to shout him out um so i just wanted to verbally give him some credit and love for that and uh yeah that's the school year has started both literally and figuratively in this novel and i'm excited to see where it goes same bye everyone <laughs> bye like subscribe rate comment whatever the things you're supposed to do call to action yeah all right <laughs> goodbye